hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with and All right. So in light of uh, what went on, you know, in the towards the end of January here with the with the stock market, things that a lot of people are talking about, GameStop, AMC, you know, market manipulation, a lot of, a lot of money that's changing hands. You know, the hedge funds, redditors, uh, a lot of things that have been in the news, uh, you know, over over the last week or so. So we figured it'd be uh, really good and really topical and something that a lot of people have a lot of questions about, a lot of serious questions, uh, as a matter of fact, about what the heck's going on on Wall Street with their money. Uh, and you know, even, even in Washington now where we've got lawmakers talking about, you know, what's going on and you know, what should be done about the situation. So, uh, we're having on uh, today, professor Brian Quinn, a professor at BC law who teaches corporations, corporate council seminar, mergers and acquisitions, as well as deals, the economic structure of transactions. Uh, he is the owner of at BJM Quinn, Brian JM Quinn on Twitter as his handle, where you'll see him finding talking about any number of things, but really largely, uh, what's going on in the worlds of, uh, corporate law, mergers and acquisitions and transactions. So when you get right down to with. There's really not anybody else I think you'd rather talk to about what it is exactly uh, that's been going on uh, in the last week. As a matter of fact, I've had uh, some, some students and classmates that uh, would love to get his perspective as well on what's been going on with uh, with, with everybody's money and uh, all the big numbers we've been seeing going around. So, so I'm your host, 1L Tom Blakely. I'm also joined by Mark Grayson, who's making a cameo appearance today as a, as a, as a co-host. He's normally our producer, but he's going to be hopping on today to talk stonks with us. Yes, I'm excited to talk to Quinn about um, his background. Um, what happened with the Wall Street Bets Reddit forum this past week, um, Robinhood and other trading platforms, and then possible regulations moving forward, um, which has gotten a lot of news in this week. So uh, I'm looking forward to it and enjoy. Uh, welcome back to everybody on the Just Law Podcast. BC Law Professor Brian Quinn uh, is joining us today to talk about, uh, you know, you may have heard of this in the news, what's been going on with uh, with stocks and Wall Street and GameStop and AMC and all the other things all the, all the kids are getting into these days. And uh, it's been all over the news and there's a lot of, you know, serious, you know, not only, you know, economic and uh, you know, regulatory implications of this stuff, but, you know, for a lot of people who, you know, choose to invest in these things and you know, get in on the action, whether it's through, you know, Robin Hood or elsewhere, there's a lot of big questions and, you know, large amounts of money that are going around these days. And so we kind of wanted to talk to somebody who, you know, for a lot of us at, you know, BC Law, we felt like is, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the best source to go to, which is uh, Professor Quinn. Professor, thanks for uh, joining us today. You want to just go ahead and, you know, kind of tell everybody a little about your, you know, your background and kind of what you, what you know about what's going on. Sure, sure. So uh, I teach uh, corporate law, Mergers and acquisitions, uh, venture capital, typically here at BC Law School. This year, uh, for some reason, I, I wandered around lost in the hallways and ended up in a contracts class uh, where I met Tom for the first time, uh, but I teach contracts as well. Basically, I find myself uh, on a daily basis in the transactional law sphere. Um, and you know, my interest in, in this all area is as it relates to the, the corporate law and uh, uh, business, business law and the business law side. That's where I spend my time. Um, this is a bit an interesting week, if I can say, if I can say that, um, you know, an interesting week in a lot of respects, and I think uh, has, raises a lot of issues, not so many legal issues, I think. Uh, I think the legal issues here are pretty cut and dry, but we can talk about those uh, in the end, uh, but some bigger issues, and, and I've been, you know, kind of watching this whole thing from afar, uh, uh, you know, mouth of God, you know, like what the hell is happening? I know what's happening, but I mean, it just... It's kind of shocking to watch it all go on, but there, there, there it is. It's the same old game that's played out 
uh, for 100 years or more in the stock market. Um, and uh, we're just seeing it now in real time, uh, facilitated by, uh, you know, I guess by TikTok. What is it the kids use these days? Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, the the talk. I remember our, our our final exam. You called it the talk. There, I was I was taking it. I was thinking about like you know the, the questions and everything. I was like, oh, the, the talk. I got to remember. That's some that's some good <laughs> slang to use there. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they can trade stocks on that. I'm not. I'm not. You know. That, I, I don't think I, yet. No. No, not yet. But I have been shocked at the number of TikTokers who appear like get posted into my uh, my Twitter. I'm an old, and as an old, I use t- Twitter. Right, I'm not young like you guys using TikTok, but a lot, enough TikTokers have posted into my Twitter feed discussing stocks and how to buy stocks and what stocks to buy. So there is apparently uh, a stock world or a stock trading world on TikTok for young people. So wow, is is Jim Cramer on TikTok? I'll have to I check that out. I can't I imagine. <laughs> Just to start off, um, for our sake, you know, I don't know much about the market, um, but definitely the viewers to just get our terms straight. So um, hedge funds, short, long positions, options, and then the practice called payment for order flow um, are some good ones. Just if you wanna give a brief explanation about some of them, just so we can use the terms uh, throughout. Yeah, so there's some vocabulary, right? That we need to get straight just to to make sure we're all talking the same language. Uh, So let's start start easy and then we'll get a little bit more complicated. So long positions, you'll hear people talking about long positions. You know, when you, when people say long positions, that's, that's really what most of us do when we, you know, have stock in the stock market, when we invest in a 401k, that means when I think the price of the stock is going to be worth more tomorrow than today, I buy the stock today and then I do absolutely nothing. I sit and I wait as the price goes up. Uh, I, I get value right? Or I have an implied value. If I sell the stock in the future, uh, I get the profit is the difference between the price where I bought it at low and the price that I sell it at high. That's the very, that, that's what most of us do in the stock market. Um, the opposite of that is uh, the short position. So the short position doesn't start with, the, with the, the idea that the stock is going to be worth more tomorrow. It says, well, wait, no, the stock is worth too much today. It's going to be worth less tomorrow. So how do I, as a trader, make money on the fact that tomorrow the stock is going to be worth less, right? Uh, So the way you do that is you go into the stock market with nothing. Uh, You knock on someone's door and you say, can I borrow a share? I'd like to borrow a share of GameStop uh, because I think GameStop is worth too much. I think it's going to be worth less tomorrow. And the person says, sure, they hand you a share. We'll talk about, we can talk about who, who would want to hand you a share. Uh, they hand you a share, and then you sell that share at today's price. You now have cash. You, sit, you put that cash in the bank, and then you wait. And then over time, if you're correct, and the price tomorrow is worth less than the price today, tomorrow, you go out into the market, and you buy the stock at tomorrow's lower price. And then you hand the stock back to the person who lent it to you. And the difference between what you paid for it and what you got when you sold it originally, that's your profit. So there you've made money on, lo- on, a, on a stock price that goes down, right? So, the, so you've got a long position for kind of call it positive, people who are positive, optimistic about the world. And you've got uh, short positions for people who are pessimistic about this future state of, uh, of a particular stock. Um, add to that uh, an option, right? We learn a little bit about options in business law and in contract law. You know, an, an option is, uh, a right to hold an offer open, 
right? And so you might purchase an option, which gives you the right to hold an offer open for a period of time. So for example, I might purchase an option to buy stock of GameStop today, but buy that today, it holds the price of the uh, holds holds open the price of the stock, call it today's price, into the future. Now, in the future, if I think that the price of the stock is going to go up, well, I'm going to make money if I can then in the future exercise that option, and then buy the stock tomorrow, but at yesterday's price, right? So the difference between the those prices, I make money. Uh, that's a call option, uh, and there's a similar reverse of that, the put option, right, where I can sell you the stock tomorrow at today's price. Right, if I think the, the price tomorrow is going to be less than the price today. So, so payment for order flow deals with how stockbrokers uh, get paid. Uh, so in the 1970s and 1980s, if you wanted to trade in stock, uh, you had to go to a broker and the broker would then charge you a commission, highly regulated commission, uh, every time you did a trade. So you'd pay the broker, you'd say, broker, I want to buy 100 shares of X. And the broker would execute that trans transaction and then would charge you $25 for the trade. $15 for the trade. Uh, and you know, over time, we've deregulated the markets. The markets have become very much more competitive. Uh, and consequently, we've seen a, a, a pushing down on the, on the, uh, on the commissions that, uh, um, that uh, brokers uh, would be, would, you'd have to be required to pay a broker. And ultimately what happened was we had a transition for uh, a payment for order flow where brokers would say, hey, look, I'm not going to charge you anything. You, the, you the investor, you, the, the stockholder. Uh, rather, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I, when I get your order, I can place that order with any one of a number of, we'll call them market makers, people who trade in the stock, actually trade the stock. Uh, and they'll pay me to send them business their way. Uh, and when they pay me, I'll take that as my, my compensation. I won't charge you, this, the, the, the shareholder, you, the, bot, the investor, for that. So you'll get a, a, a trade that's without commission, uh, but I'll get my payments some other way. Uh, and depending on the broker that you have, brokers will either share that, some of that payment with you, the, the customer, uh, or they won't. Uh, they'll, they'll keep it all for themselves. And obviously, you can see already that payment for order flow creates the potential for conflicts of interest where the broker might place the order with a market maker who uh, doesn't necessarily give you the best price for the customer, uh, but does give a good, a good deal for the broker, right? So that's, a, that's, a, that's an ongoing issue. It's one that Robin Hood and others have faced. So it's a little bit of the vocabulary um, uh, that we'll be dealing with here. Yeah, no, it's very informative. It's good. You know, I think, you know, obviously these things are sort of omnipresent in the news, but, you know, to, to be able to talk about them, it's good to kind of, you know, for, for, for people who are, you know, laypersons to, to kind of understand, you know, these, these terms and sort of the, the, the plumbing of Wall Street to, to, to some extent, because it can, you know, can get quite complicated. Uh, so with regard to kind of what's been going on, uh, you know, lately, you know, you have this, uh, you know, this Reddit forum, this Wall Street uh, bets uh, forum, sort of this, this, you know, populist uprising, you might say, um, you know, that, that, that's gone on. It's been sort of characterized as, you know, a, a fight against hedge funds. It's been, you know, not to use the, the term Robin Hood, uh, but, but, you know, it's just sort of mm -hmm. this idea of, you know, you've got the, the, the masses, you've got, you know, younger investors, you've got people who are not, uh, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, who, who you think of as, 
um, you know, and investors who sort of, uh, you know, you know, I don't know if you'd call it a scheme, but basically pretty, you know, clever, cleverly and, you know, uh, pretty lucratively for a number of people um, were able to kind of, you know, do what they did here with, with this GameStop stock. Now, GameStop, of course, uh, is not, uh, you know, the strongest company, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, their financial position in the industry that they're in. But, you know, nonetheless, a lot of people were, were able to make a whole lot of money uh, and a lot of very powerful people lost a lot of money uh, off of what happened. So, you know, what happened here with this? Because it's all, you know, anybody's talking about and it, uh, there's a lot of money going around, a lot of, a lot of big numbers. Yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of big numbers. Um, so, um, you know, I think about the narrative that like what you read, what you read about or what you hear about when you think about this whole GameStop thing in the last week. And a lot of it is about like sticking it to the man and how do we, you know, the people on the outside, uh, you know, you know, assert ourselves against against the institutions. Um, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about like that as in a, in a secular sense, how lots of things in our society these days are about normal people, ex, you know, ex expressing frustration against the institutions, right? Not just in finance, right? Um, I mean, the people have done all sorts of crazy things to express their their rage against institutions. They charge the capital. They do all sorts of things, right? Uh, and here's one one version of this. Um, you know, but it's, you know, I, I, I want to say that that's the narrative, but that's not really, I think, uh, what's going on, right? Uh, so let me, let, me, let me start by saying this. Uh, is GameStop, is this whole GameStop situation about normal people or the, the little guy running to the rescue of a poor company that's being assaulted by these vampires on Wall Street who are just trying to destroy it. I mean, because that's one view, right? And here we are standing up to prevent the, 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 the wicked forces of finance from destroying yet another good company in America. No, that's not what's going on, right? Because GameStop, I mean, when I was young like you, Tom, I uh, would used to hang out in record stores where they sold LPs, you know, a couple of hippies and a cat and a whole bunch of records. Those things don't exist anymore. Those businesses are gone, right? Why? Because music has been digitized. GameStop, it's a store, a retail store where people sell games, like video, uh, video games. Well, that whole business is being digitized too. That business is gonna be gone in five years. So this is a business that's basically dead. It doesn't know it yet, but it's basically dead. And it's just a matter of time, five years, four years, three years. I mean, the pandemic, no one's going to stores anymore. So it's a matter of time before this business is out of business and you know, life will go on. So this is not about, so the, the GameStop situation is not about trying to rescue a, a thriving business from the evils of capitalism, all right? It's something else, right? Um, and I said, I tend to think about it in this way. There are on the one side, sophisticated investors who look at GameStop and say, that's a dead business. How can I make money on a dead business? And they understand that the transaction for them is to short the company because they know Sooner or later, the company that was trading at $18 is going to be worth zero. So let's let's structure a deal where we can take advantage uh, of, that, of that decline that's going to come. And then on the other side, you've got sophisticated retail investors. So not unsophisticated people. I mean, we're talking about retail investors who have like, uh, who have like, uh, who have you know, setups in their basement Right. And I think the guy who goes by Roaring Kitty, who's uh, a, a local guy, right? right? The screen name, right? Yeah. Goes by, uh, he's got uh, 
uh, he invested in GameStop $53,000 a year ago. So he's got, he's sophisticated enough of an investor and liquid enough of, of an investor that he can plunk down $53,000 one year ago into a company that's got zero prospects. Uh, that's not like, not like you and me. <laughs> and it's not like he's dumping a stimulus check uh, into, this, into this company. So uh, uh, I don't know. We'll he, see if we get more stimulus. I might have enough to take the risk. <laughs> so you've got him and a, and a bunch of other people like him who are sophisticated retail investors who have a thesis, right? And part of their thesis was, yes, this company is going out of business. But you know what? If it gets reorganized in the right way, if the guy from Chewy can do the right thing, you know, $18, maybe it's worth 50, maybe it's worth 60. We might be able to do this, right? And so that's his basic view. Uh, and he's pushed that and he's pushed that very hard. And somewhere along the line, it converted from kind of a, not an unreasonable kind of bet into something that took hold of uh, the gang on Reddit, right? That, that said, oh, let's go in as a group. And then you had something like 3 million uh, retail investors who were part of this Wall Street Bets group, 3 million. Uh, and I'd say not, let's not say 3 million sophisticated retail investors. We've got like a, a mixed bag, right? Mixed bag, uh, who then start to buy this stock that was trading at like $18. And 3 million people buying $18, $18 stock of a company that's basically going out of business uh, is going to put a lot of pressure on the upward movement of the, of the stock. And that's exactly what it did. Uh, and, and, you know, we can get into the whole like chasing the hedge funds in a bit. But I mean, that's, that was the start. And this was not a, an investment in this stock on like, oh, this is the, here's some fundamentals. Let's invest in this stock to get it past $40, basically speculation. Once you get past Roaring Kitty uh, and, the, and the whole ball starts, well, then it's just speculation. It's not investment uh, in any, any long-term sense. So, so just to be clear there, so basically the idea is not that all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the world's going to go back to me going out and buying games on, on discs and we know this and let's invest. It's more about, we know that, you know, and, and I think, you know, there, there's certain people that were kind of leading the pack. I'm not sure how sophisticated all of these you know, millions were, but the idea is basically that, okay, you know what, this company sucks so bad that all we have to do is have, you know, if all 3 million of us buy the stock, the price is going to have to go up and just the, the arbitrage, the speculation, we, we can drive this thing up and, and, and make a buck. Yeah. It's a, a version of what's going on. Cause they had also spotted that the, uh, uh, that the short investors, mm-hmm. uh, were, had, had, had bought into this company. They were betting the short shorts were betting against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means that, uh, if the, you can buy stock and then refuse to sell it and refuse to lend it to anybody, uh, you create an abnormal uh, scarcity uh, that'll further drive the, 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 the price of the stock forward. Because rather than there being a million shares to purchase uh, on the market, there are only 500,000 shares to actually purchase on the, on the market. And in fact, if you do what many of these, guys, many of these investors were doing, some investor, investor speculators were doing, you're buying using call options. Uh, and using a call option, you buy a call option, it's a fraction of the price uh, for, for a, a single share. It might be, I don't know. Uh, you buy call options in buckets of, a, of 100. And I don't even know what the, the, uh, the option price for the, the cost of a GameStop option was. You know, Was it like 30 cents, 50 cents for 50 cents? Right, so you might have just a dollar, uh, but you can buy two contracts for 200 shares uh, and 
Robinhood that sell Robinhood who sells you that contract, well, they have to hedge. They hedge their uh, their risk by when you uh, by buying shares in the marketplace. So if you buy an option for 100 shares, uh, Robinhood's going to run out and buy 50. So that in the event you you decide, okay, I actually want to buy that, that they don't act, they don't suffer a, a real loss. So they have to reduce their losses by buying shares as uh, as you buy option as you buy the option contracts. And they typically start with like 50%. And then depending on how close the price, how profitable the option looks, they buy more and more and more to reduce their risk. Uh, and that and when they buy that stock, they hang on to that stock. They don't sell it. Uh, so long as there's an option available, the option contracts are out. And that further reduces the, the available number of shares to be purchased, driving up the price uh, even faster. Uh, so you've got this mix of, of short positions and option buying and then concentrated attention uh, by the Redditors that just drove the price uh, to, the, to three, $350, $400 at one point. What's your um, opinion on the practice of shorting more generally? You know, what what benefit does that provide society, if any? Yeah, I mean, uh, shorting shorting positions can be quite controversial, and people have some some people have uh, very uh, emotional views, right? Uh, But you know, uh, every trade has two sides. Every trade involves a disagreement over future value. So when when I buy a share of stock. I think it's going to be worth more and more than less. And the person who sells me that share says, for whatever reason, says, no, I need to get rid of it. I don't think it's going to be worth more tomorrow. So every, every trade has, has uh, both sides, right? Uh, and the short position, the shorting is, uh, can be useful in terms of uh, finding uh, price discovery and seeing what does the market really believe about the true value of a, of a stock uh, by giving uh, uh, the, the, the other side of a, of a trade, right? So, um, you know, it can be controversial, but there is real value in having being able to short. Um, that said, uh, should you be able to do what's called a naked short? Uh, probably not. Uh, and uh, for the most part, what they call naked shorts are not are not allowed. A naked short is I promise to you know I, I you know I'm going to go into the marketplace without borrowing shares. I just sell shares. I, the way the way the uh, the market trans these transactions work is you buy a stock. And then two days later, that transaction closes. So there's a two-day window. Or you can sell a stock. And then two days later, you have to actually hand over the shares. So in a naked short, I go into the marketplace and Tom says, oh, I want to buy some stock. And I say, sure, Tom, I'm selling you my shares. I don't own any shares, right? I'm just making a bet that tomorrow this, <laughs> tomorrow's going to be cheaper and I can buy it tomorrow, right? Uh, and that's highly speculative. Uh, and, that, and that can, because there's no share, actual share attached to it, uh, can be extremely volatile, and you know there's a lot of risk risk there. So naked shorts are not not permitted. Consequently, in order to go into a market and to short, you have to you actually have you actually have to have a security, so that you can uh, guarantee the transactions. So you have to you actually physically have to borrow a stock from someone to do it. So just you know moving along, one of the other you know obviously you know GameStop or you know as Elon Musk put it, Game Stonk, uh, and, and, it's, and it seems like the the tweet the tweet that launched a thousand ships. It seems uh, one of the other companies, uh, AMC. Uh, you know, uh, you know, movie theaters, you know, people are, you know, well familiar uh, with this business Another business that, you know, not only, you know, cause it's just the economy, but you know, the pandemic in particular is just not, uh, done particularly well, uh, as of late is another company that sort yeah. of, uh, has been kind of subject to the, to the, to the same thing. So it, is the story of AMC, is it, is it the, the same thing almost, or, or what was going on with them? Uh, it's a version of that. I mean, they, I think AMC was exposed to, uh, had a large exposure to short, short sellers. 
Mm -hmm. um, but again, AMC is an example, I think, of why the narrative that it's the little guy against the man isn't really, yeah, I don't know if that's really gonna play because why, well, one, when after GameStop, the next target's AMC, okay, let's, let's send the Reddit crowd after AMC and we'll, we'll, we'll show them. Uh, well, they don't get the same pop. There's not enough people going because they only have 5,000 bucks and they spend it all on GameStop. They don't, you can't do it again. Um, so you don't get the same pop. And I think uh, the silver trade that was the focus yesterday also didn't go anywhere because it just wasn't enough money to, to make that thing move. Um, but AMC, when AMC, uh, the management of AMC, uh, when they saw the pop in their stock price, first thing they did was they went out and, went out and sold more shares. <laughs> like great <laughs> we can make money on this deal so the company did okay because they took advantage of the short-term pop uh they, they had a lot of debt on the books didn't they AMC? yeah yeah but i mean so there's, there's a lot of sophisticated investors on the other sides of these deals uh, right. on the call sides who are doing very well i mean this is not just about uh you know screwing the, the shorts and the hedge funds because they're sophisticated i mean who are the biggest investors in like gamestop uh vanguard fidelity you know, they made a ton of money. Silver Lake Partners, a private equity firm, uh, they got, they converted a convert they converted the note uh, into equity at uh, GameStop with, with the taking advantage of the short term price pop, and they made 150 million dollars. Mm. Uh, that's great if you're Silver Lake private equity <laughs> owning stock of uh, GameStop. They're not the they're not the little guy. <laughs> yeah, no, for for sure. Uh, you know, the next question I had just sort of like you know, and we're gonna. Uh, you know, get into just, you know, kind of like, you know, regulation and, you know, potential things that might happen in, in, in Washington now that have been talked about. But, you know, irrespective of that, I mean, what is there to kind of stop this from happening again? I mean, is, is this just, you know, we could have another, you know, band of, of, of lowly Redditors that identify a, a company that's not doing well and try it again? Or is this just like a one, one shot deal here? I, th I think this is going to be a one shot deal. Uh, why do yeah. I say that? Um, Three million Redditors. Mm -hmm. Again, not all sophisticated retail investors, some of them using their stimulus checks. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, let's say they have $10,000 of cash to invest each. That's $30 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon's market cap is $1.7 trillion, mm -hmm. right? So $30 billion to invest in GameStop, it's not a lot of money given the, the just even Amazon, right? They're not, uh, and that's, that's and if they invested that in, in if they invested that money in GameStop at 100 or 200 or 300 dollars, and they did what the people on the boards are saying, if you go onto the Reddit boards, they say, "Hold that stock, we'll get them." There's some kind of ladder put, blah blah blah. You know, Hold on, don't sell, don't sell. The well, stock just traded at 90 dollars, mm. right? I mean, if I told my wife, "I'm going to take 10,000 dollars, I'm going to buy 300 dollars worth of GameStop stock, and I'm going to not sell it." because I think I'm gonna put some hedge fund in New York out of business. And three days later, that stock was worth $90. I lost two thirds of my investment. She'd drive up to New Hampshire, buy a gun, come back and shoot, right? So I don't think this is the kind of thing that's gonna get replicated a lot because a lot of people are getting burned on this deal. And they're not the sophisticated investors. Those guys are out of this, they're, they're out of this trade a long sure. time ago. For sure, um, okay. The next topic was the response of Robinhood and other trading applications. Um, because they caught a lot, trading applications like Robinhood caught a lot of flack. Um, some accused them of maybe trying to weather the storm of bigger players like Melvin Capital. Um, and then on the other hand, the CEO Vlad Tenev uh, gave an explanation that there, with the high volatility, there were increasing uh, requirements and mm -hmm. they couldn't meet them unless they restricted 
purchasing um, these specific stocks for I think a few days or maybe one day. And that like, you know, the, their action of, you know, restricting trades incited a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, brought Congress onto the scene and that uh, did not go over particularly well, but, you know, it seems like they've got their, their, their reasons for trying to, trying to do so, but that is another large part of this that people are curious about. Yeah. I mean, so there are two stories, right? One is that uh, Robin Hood takes from the rich to give to the poor, in fact, is taking from the poor to give to the rich. And when push comes to shove, they go out and protect Melvin Capital and Citadel Securities by stopping the trading from happening. Uh, that's, that reminds me a lot of like a conspiracy theory. Uh, but that's what you got from Barstool, the Barstool guy going on CNBC or wherever he went on. Um, the other one makes much more sense. Uh, the thing that you need to remember is that Robinhood is uh, it's a brokerage. It's also privately traded. It's a private company. It's a startup. Uh, it, it doesn't, there's no, there are no, it doesn't have easy access to the capital markets. Uh, frankly, it's probably undercapitalized given what it was trying to do, because as a brokerage that does its own clearing, uh, it has, it has margin requirements. It's got requirements, it's got to put up cash. Uh, so you saw on Thursday night into Friday, it raised a billion dollars from its investors. It raised a billion dollars Thursday night into Friday. Why? Because it didn't have cash. And if it can't, if it doesn't have cash, uh, it's insolvent and it goes out of business and it does no, does no more trades. Um, you know, so uh, the story that you hear from Vlad is is very is probably very accurate. Uh, I know it gets it got discounted by the Reddit crew as uh, as a terrible thing that they they're trying to screw the little guy, but I think his choice was uh, allow deals to, uh, not meet the mar the deposit requirements because he doesn't have capital and be insolvent and then go out of business entirely or raise capital as quickly as possible. He raised a billion dollars overnight on Thursday into Friday over the weekend, $2.4 billion more. And he's looking for, they're looking for another billion dollars in credit uh, lines of credit from, uh, from banks, uh, because they were just undercapitalized. I mean, they should not, they, they were not, they should not have been in that kind of business. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Robin Hood didn't think didn't want to be in that business, uh, but they found themselves in that business. Uh, and you know, other firms like E-Trade uh, were, uh, were you know, you could still buy and sell GameStop stock on E-Trade. Why? Because they met all their capital requirements. They were fully, they were Merrill Lynch. They they they're fully liquid. They could they could manage those kinds of trades. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, and sort of like, you know, I, I guess like regardless to the, of the reality of it, you know, the, the, the sort of the popular uh, reaction online, on social media, on Reddit, you know, and, and elsewhere, and, you know, certainly in the media, you know, these things tend to reverberate now. Of course, in, you know, in, in Washington, we've got, you know, a, a changing of, of, of the guard in Washington that's happened, you know, very recently. And there's a lot of people who are pretty upset about this. And, you know, we have the SEC, we have, you know, lawmakers calling for all kinds of numbers of things, um, you know, and just kind of going to the to the legal side, the regulatory side, uh, you know, what do you see happening as a, as a result of this? I mean, we know there's going to be hearings, there's going to be the whole charade, but, but, but what might actually happen? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, the dust has to settle because... Mm -hmm. Uh, these days, particularly with tech companies, uh, there are very, very odd um, uh, alliances being formed between right and left. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as, so you know, unexpected alliances, uh, you know, and the one that made like the, big, the, the biggest dust up over the weekend was something like AOC on the one side and uh, Ted Cruz on the other, Cruz, both yeah. coming together, right? Or, not, or you know, trying to come together, or, or at least. Uh, and, you know, that's, so, so if you get that kind of coalition forming over certain certain issues, that could be very powerful, 
right? And I don't know if it's necessarily correct, but it can be very powerful because you suddenly the, the stars all align and people want to do something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and add to that, you know, like Elizabeth Warren is now in, in the Senate, always had a voice with respect to uh, consumers and consumer investing and consumers versus Wall Street, right? So there's a, you know, once we see, once we, the dust starts to settle and these coalitions start to crystallize, it might be, we might have a better sense as to what it means with respect to small investors vis-a-vis a, a place like Robinhood, right? Uh, because that's, uh, that's one area of potential regulation. Uh, and what does that mean? Uh, you know, more better, more prudential requirements for Robinhood, so they have to have more capital uh, before they can engage, permit, uh, permit trading. Uh, that's possible. Um, you know, there's discussion about uh, the role of arbitration provisions. Uh, so Robinhood, it's a consumer-facing uh, business. There are lots of lawsuits. I think there were 30 lawsuits filed uh, against Robinhood after the, they stopped the trading on GameStop. Uh, but all there's going to be subject to an arbitration provision, uh, mm-hmm. and they're all going to be uh, t- tailed back. One thing that they might cons- that the Congress might consider doing is, you know, consumer finance restricting uh, restricting arbitration provisions. I doubt they'll do that, but that's one one way to give the little guy some some voice. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I think where that's going to go really depends on the coalition that ultimately forms. Uh, but you can already see that there there are things out there uh, mm-hmm. that are, that are possible. Again. Good or bad, I don't know, but there are things that are out there that are possible. Yeah, just going off of that, another question that I had, I think this was something I, I spoke with you about last semester. Uh, you know, it seems like even, you know, before this incident with Wall Street, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, Section 230 was something, you know, during the, the Capitol uh, riots, you know, a few weeks ago was something that, you know, people were sort of calling for, you know, corporate America to be reined in in regard to that. And I, I think it opens an interesting question in this, you know, scenario where you have Reddit, uh, which certainly, you know, avails itself of the, the protections there, uh, where you've got, you know, 3 million people can just go on and start saying any, you know, I mean, this isn't exactly Charles Schwab given the advice <laughs> no. on Reddit, uh, but you know, you can do these things nonetheless. And, and then you've obviously got, you know, these online trading platforms. It just seems like we're in this, you know, environment, uh, both with respect to, you know, social media, you know, Twitter, you know, sort of allowed this thing to, to you know, to, to, to yeah. grow and, and, and to spread. Um, you know, you've got Reddit, you've got, you know, things like Robin and you've got all these platforms and a platform is a very, yeah. uh, you know, popular word that it just seems like the laws have not really caught up to yeah. the reality of, of what we're dealing with right now. And, in, you know, you, you've got two major incidents, both in, you know, the, the, the Capitol a few weeks ago, you, you've got this that's going on now that uh, it, it just seems like we've got these, these, these digital <clears throat> platforms that are just constantly, causing chaos it seems and i and i'm just curious like regular you know in a, in a just with respect to congress and, and what can be done there's been a lot of calls for a lot of different things and i'm just curious if, if the times come that the, the rules are going to change yeah i don't know i mean but this is that's that's really the issue because as i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier it's this is a secular problem right i think right. The, the robin hood thing gamestop it's really a it's the same thing playing out in a different space right and with the demo- democratization of communication through the internet uh, it's good and bad, or bad. It, I mean, it's got pluses and minuses, and the minuses we can start to see. I mean, the good is I can, you know, I can see what my you know, my middle school girlfriend is doing and what her kids look like. All those, that's wonderful, right? Uh, but the negatives, you know, they 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 play out too, right? And those are uh, people going online saying whatever they want to say about anything, be it uh, politics uh, or uh, the price of GameStop stock. Uh, and you know who's responsible for that, or what? What? How do we think about that? And I think you know, post-capital insurrection, post-GameStop, you really do have uh, 
you really do have the makings of, you know, or at least an opportunity for weird coalitions, unexpected coalitions on Capitol Hill to get together and start to uh, uh, agree on things. I mean, what they're going to agree on, I don't know, but you can imagine a whole series of different coalitions coming to the realization that, hey, we're talking about the same question, right? right. Uh, so how do we think about that? And, you know, it, it may happen. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I, you know, uh, I, maybe I should open up a Reddit thread or something. Someone can tell me what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I think I got to start spending more time on there. I, I no, start, don't, 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 don't. Yeah, don't, exactly. Don't, don't. I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Disappeared down a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, I, I think before you know, just getting prepared for this today. I, I was on there, and you know, obviously, you know, the, the airs come out of the balloon with uh, with GameStop. And I was on there, so like, no, hold, we gotta hold the line, boys. We got. I was like, it's you know, these are these are crazy times. Certainly, uh, there there are a series of Robin Hood uh, litigation. There's a series of litigations against Robin Hood. I think it's about thirty. The last time I checked. Uh, and they all are some version of, uh, I had a contract with you, Robin Hood, you were going to permit me to trade. And because you decided to restrict my trading in GameStop stock, I have lost money. Uh, Robin Hood, you are the direct approximate cause of my injury. Give me money, right? Give me damages. Um, and again, those, those suits are subject to an arbitration provision. So they're all filed in federal court right now, but they're, they're gonna get moved. They're gonna get kicked out to arbitration, um, whether they like it or not. Um, and once they're in arbitration, they'll be subject to the terms and conditions of the contract. I haven't looked at, at the terms and conditions of the, of the Robin Hood contract, but you know, Tom is, a, is an excellent student. Tom can go and take a look at that. And I'm sure he'll tell you right away uh, that it's gonna be, we'll make our best efforts to let you trade, but no guarantee. Right. No, I, I have. I, I actually, oh, took, it's like the Magna Carta, that thing. I actually remember so when I was, um, I was a junior in college. It was, it was a couple, two or three, you know, three years, you know, gosh, three years ago now, which I, I signed up for Robin Hood as a, you know, young investor, you might say. And I remember, you know, sitting there, like, as you know, you do it on your phone and then, you know, the gamification, which is something mm -hmm. we haven't even uh, addressed, but they dress it up very nicely. But when you actually look at that agreement, I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, you, you don't really have much of a leg to stand on there. And I, and I think it's an interesting point, you know, we, we sort of talked about earlier, you know, and, and we talked about it, you know, in, in our contracts class, you know, the, these arbitration provisions, it just seems like so much of, uh, you know, the, the, the way, you know, sort of democratic access to the law. I mean, there's just so much of the business that's done these days. Um, you know, there's really no redress of grievances, so to speak, you know, you're, you're, you're getting removed to arbitration, whether you like it or not. You've got lawmakers now who really want to take a look at that. And I feel like that, you know, the, there's a lot of lobbying dollars, I feel like are going to be thrown at that one. Yeah. And, and I just wonder if this is finally, you know, if it's reached fever pitch, that something might actually change. It might be. And I think the real, the real issue here is going to be with respect to consumer arbitration, whether or not you're permitted to restrict class actions, right? Because right. if you can get a class action going, uh, then, okay, individual claims, to the extent the individual claim is different from the class action, you know, the fact that there is a class action remedy available, that means that if I get screwed out of $15, mm -hmm. there's still going to be an economically efficient way for me to get some, uh, some, some, uh, some redress. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the, but again, in, in terms of speaking about weird coalitions, Democrats have always been friendly to class action lawyers, Republicans have hated them. Right. So in order for this to, to in order to have a coalition, you have to find some Republicans who would see the light and say, oh, class actions are, are, are OK. Um, you know, the other area that's, I think, uh, right for some investigation, at least, uh, is uh, whether or not uh, we're looking at any market manipulation, uh, whether either on the short side or on the uh, on the long side, the, the Redditor side. Uh, parties were engaging in market manipulation. Now, the short side, they'll say something like, well, you know, we're just engaging in short transactions. We're not like 
causing anyone to buy stock or sell stock. We're just doing our own thing. So they're, they're probably gonna be okay. The real issue is gonna be whether or not the Reddit crew uh, is acting as a group uh, sufficient to generate liability uh, uh, for market manipulation under section nine. And that's a real question. I mean, my guess is if you spent enough time on, on Reddit and you pulled the uh, issue of subpoena, you might find some facts to support uh, uh, some, uh, some market manipulation, but it's gonna be a close call. Uh, but that's going to be the that's going to be an area for the SEC to, to think about. Now, with regard to market manipulation, I forget. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I think there was somebody there either from Robin Hood. I believe I was seeing saw this on the news that they're sort of aligned with the, you know, Robin Hood hedge fund, you know, big guys in suits uh, racket. But uh, there was he was saying something along the lines of, well, you know, market manipulation. That's when you have you know people you know working together in an organized way to move the price. Uh, of something away from, you know, the, the, the value of the, you know, something that's clearly, uh, you know, ballooning out of control. But at the same time, yeah. you know, I, my reaction to that was, well, no, I mean, if people are making the trades and this is what the price is, then, it, you know, it is what it is. But I, I don't know, how, how do you, that wasn't one of the terms you went through. How, how do you define, you know, what is manipulation? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, right? So there has to be associated with, with market manipulation. First, if you, if you believe in good faith mm-hmm. that the stock price is worth $300, the stock is worth $300, and you say to people, you know, that stock is worth $300. I believe that. And you encourage them to buy it to $300. That's not a problem, right? You, mm-hmm. you may be wrong. You're probably wrong. Uh, but, you know, there's no, there's no liability there. But if you believe and you know that the stock that a year ago was $3 and recently has been trading at $18 is worth about $18, maybe less. Maybe it's worth $20. But you tell people, go out there and buy that stock for $300. Buy that stock for $400. Don't ever let it go. We're going to send it to $4,000. Uh, you're getting close to the line for market market mm-hmm. manipulation, and it, it it may just be the case that when you look at the when you look at what the posts, right, uh, it may you, you may be able to come up with some facts uh, to support mm-hmm. that kind of allegation. When we talked about market manipulation mm-hmm. on the redditors side, maybe you could just quickly talk about how the flip side, how hedge funds manipulate markets. Yeah, I mean the key. I think the key uh, for market manipulation questions is going to be. Um, the good faith belief with respect to the, the value, right? And this is hard to prove, right? Which is one reason why market manipulation cases are few and far between, because you have to have, you actually have to prove that the short sellers don't believe that the stock is worth less uh, tomorrow than it is today, right? Uh, and that requires that you, you find some facts and do some investigation. And, you know, for the most part, it's hard, that's, that's hard to do. Um, you know, short sellers are not like doing their business in public. They're not, the, you know, broadcasting to the world, other than to say, maybe they'll go on CNBC and say, I think the stock is worth $35. $35. I'm shorting it, right? Um, but, you know, they're, they're presenting themselves as having a good faith belief with respect to the stock price. Uh, you know, it's different when you're, when you're, when you're on, a, on a Reddit uh, string and you say, hey, let's screw the big guy. Who cares what it's worth? We can screw this guy just by driving the price up. That's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much evidence of intent without regard to the actual value of the company, um, you know, for 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 market manipulation purposes. So I think the, if there's going to be an argument to be made, it's going to be easier to make that argument against the Reddit crew if if you're going to make it against anybody at all. All right. Um, one other question I did have, and I just mentioned it, but I, I kind of wanted to circle back to it. And this sort of transcends this issue. I mean, it's not only Robinhood, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's Facebook. It's I mean, all these big tech. 
uh, companies are sort of the, the the subject of this this idea of gamification the idea that you know these things on your or phone are, are being designed in such a way to you know to, to use the term again manipulate you know people in a certain course of behavior i mean anybody who's used robin hood as i have but not anymore uh i mean this thing is very no more money left yeah not that i i you know i got in i was like uh-uh, i'm not doing this i got out and uh you know go find myself a, a respectable brokerage to use but uh in any event uh you know when you use this app it's very clear that you know there's all kinds of balloons and, and fireworks and i know you know maybe the more uh you know those of us who keep a sharp pencil might not be persuaded by such things but for younger investors i mean all you have to do is turn 18 and download it and there you go you're off to the races i mean that's that's kind of sick you know it opens some questions in terms of like just how much control these companies have to to manipulate us and, and kind of influence in these uh in these ways and do you see that as a as a target of, of regulation and I, I don't know how you'd regulate it but it, it's scary to think about yeah no I, again gamification across uh, across all the platforms not mm-hmm. just i mean robin hood is uh is sensitive because it's about it's about it's financial right, right. uh but the same techniques that they're using in Robinhood, they use in facebook they use in twitter they use in tiktok mm-hmm. all everything anything just to keep you glued to the to the app right and uh you know presumably lawyers uh, law, lawmakers care less about what happens on tiktok uh but you know if it's a financial application they might there might be some place for uh reasonable regulation uh with respect to gamification of uh, financial platforms. But, you know, that's, again, we're going to have to wait to see what these weird coalitions form and look like uh, before we can get a sense of what's going to be possible. Right. All right. Well, there you have it. A lot of, uh, a lot of big questions on a lot of people's minds and uh, luckily we're able to get answers, not answers to everything. I mean, some of these things, it sounds like you're going to have to, you know, play themselves out in, uh, in, in Washington and uh, on, on Robin hood and perhaps elsewhere. Uh, but uh, professor, thanks for coming along. So you gave us a lot of, you know, great uh, insight. I knew, uh, you know, that there's really nobody else I can think of that would know more. And you, you certainly lived up to the expectation, not only myself, but some other people, some other, you know, my fellow Robin hood uh, traders were, were, were curious. I don't know if this is good news or bad news for them, but it was, it was good to hear it straight so uh thank you for coming on and thank you for taking the time happy to join you happy to join you all righty <laughs>